like radio, less like crap. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he, was, he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'm bad. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid kid. Weird story. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol by volume. Alcohol by volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. it nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin. So you're blaming the drunkard. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunkard, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Bitches. Welcome to ABB, episode number 106. Uh, it's Tuesday, April 21st, 2015. Uh, you want to call into the show? The number 862-345-7125. That's 862-ALCOHOL. And if you just want to Skype in, uh, it's alcohol by volume, all one word. Let me adjust my levels a little bit here. I feel like I'm out of practice. Just missing one week. What the fuck? So, uh, I actually bought a shitload of beer over the past uh, over the past last week and weekend. So, I guess I'll start off with that. Uh, let me take a sip here. My mouth has been fucking dry all day, and my body's finally getting back to normal after this weekend, which I'll get into shortly. Uh, so, I bought. Well, I, I had to restock my fridge because I had virtually nothing in there. Uh, I was down to my two bottles of KBS, my Stone Enjoy After, uh, and a rum barrel pumpkin along with an almost empty bottle of red wine, which I have since killed off. Uh, wasn't even a glass full in there. So last week I had Flying Dog Earl Grey Black Wheat. I have, I believe, one bottle of that that I'm holding on to that I want to do um, a review for because I was actually really pleasantly surprised with that one. Uh, Victory Kirsch Goza, uh, those I killed off. Shiner Prickly Pear, I got a bottle of that left. Uh, Epic Little Brainless on raspberries. I'm actually drinking my last can of that tonight. And then this weekend, I grabbed six packs of Evil Genius. I'll have what she's having, Imperial Chocolate Hazelnut Stout. Uh, Ma the Meatloaf Mango Wit. And then Rivertown uh, Halakahiki Pineapple Beer. The pineapple beer I've had before. The uh, Imperial Chocolate Hazelnut Stout I've had before. That was uh, one of the bottles that Evil Genius sent me. Ma the Meatloaf was a new one that I had not yet had. Really good. I'm actually drinking it right now. Uh, and I, movie heathen that I am, I had no idea where the reference came from. I, I, I did a Google search for it, and oh, okay, it's from Wedding Crashers, a movie I've never seen. So that explains that a bit. Thank, thankfully, YouTube was able to fill me in on the context of the clip with uh, Will Ferrell. But 
that's about it with that one. Um, I also got some uh, DC Brow, the Citizen Belgian Style Pale Ale, uh, stashed uh, for the occasional beer lunch. Eh, it's passable. N- nothing I'd get again, though, but the, the ABV on it, I think it's like a 7%, so uh, that's pretty decent considering I, I eat very sparingly during the day at work, and a 7% at lunch would be pretty much that perfect level to get me through the rest of the shitty work day. And then I also made an order with Inside the Cellar, uh, thanks to a free shipping day deal, when was that, uh, whenever tax day was, because they had a tax day code that gave free shipping on six bottles instead of the regular 12. Um, I actually, uh, I think I was pretty drunk when I made that order, and uh, realized it the next morning, I'm like, ah, shit, I just ordered uh, $70 worth of beer. Fuck. But, eh, yeah, eh. When it shows up, that then then my wife can give me hell. Until then, I'm I'm in the clear. So, recovering from this weekend, it was not a drinking weekend recovery, but more a Kevin is crazy and running way too much weekend. There is actually a reason behind this, though, and it, ugh, it thinking about it fucking pisses me off. It starts with, and this is this is not beer related at all. This just falls into the stuff portion of the show, so you'll deal with it here. There is a um, a basically a walking competition at my workplace. Started on Tuesday. After the first day, I saw my steps compared to everybody else's, and I'm like, "Well, shit, I'm I'm a fucking shoe in for this because they have prizes for it." And I don't think I brought this up on the show before. Uh, prizes for it, uh, first place overall, second place overall, third place overall. It's $100, $75, and $50 gift cards. And I figured, oh shit, I can get 100 bucks easy. And then there was also another prize for best one day total, which was 50 bucks. And I figured, okay, I can get that easy too. Then comes this guy from the other campus. I'm not going to name names or anything. I don't know this guy. But... I could swear this dude is cheating. Now, with this walking challenge, it it syncs with my Fitbit. Now, people are able to manually enter activities, which makes me think, oh, that's that's ripe for cheating right there. This guy's not even manually entering activities. He's syncing something up. The problem is, he's averaging 35,000 steps a day. That is a good approximately, maybe at least 20 miles of steps and at first I thought, okay, well, may- maybe this guy walks to work. And then I waited and I was looking at his weekend steps, Saturday and Sunday, still same numbers. I feel like somebody could have taken their Fitbit, put it into a sock, and tossed it into the dryer for a few hours. Just my thought. Just my thought. And then there was somebody else that um, has just had ridiculous logged numbers not synced numbers which is making me suspicious of that so i'm pretty much good for third place at this point the reason this weekend completely destroyed my body was because i wanted to get that one day best total and i wanted to get away from this guy that i feel is probably cheating in this competition his best in one day had been uh it was just shy of forty-two thousand steps so I said, okay, get up in the morning, I go for a run. I run 
13 miles, close to a half marathon right there. So I run that, take a break, go get some more water, um, uh, get a Red Bull to kind of recharge myself a bit. I run another, I think like six and a half miles after that. So I'm at almost 20 miles there. Um, over the course of the day, did some yard work, things like that. And then went for one more two mile run later in the evening, got myself up to 45,000 steps. I'm like, fuck yeah. Okay. I beat this guy. I, I should be okay for that one day total. Next thing I know that other person that I am potentially suspecting of cheating, manually logged some activities that put them up over 55,000 steps in one day. What the fuck? Now, is it entirely possible that she could have done this? Yes, because she has not been averaging 35,000 steps a day like this one guy has been. And me doing 45,000 in one day wrecked me for Sunday, Monday, and today. I have not run a fucking bit since that Saturday. This guy is doing pretty much that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. There's no way this guy is doing that. So after after I realized I was fucked out of the one day best total too, I just said fuck it. And geez. I, I, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm still doing my running in the morning. You know, I'm going to start back up again tomorrow. I'm going to walk on my lunch breaks because if anything, it makes me feel better that I don't have to worry about calories as much during the day because you all know how neurotic I am with that. I want to have my beers in the evening. But oh, Jesus fucking Christ, it, shit like that pisses me off so much because I, I, could, I can accept being legitimately beaten, but... Uh, these two things just do not add up. I, mean, I was talking to somebody else, a friend of mine on Fitbit and on Facebook, and she was saying the same thing happened at her workplace where people were averaging 45,000 steps a day. And she's like, there's no way that was possible. It was multiple people doing it. They were clearly cheating, but nobody did anything about it. So, what the fuck ever. Um, you know what? It's getting fucking hot in here. Let me see if I can open this window a crack. It is actually nice having a window in here. Although, ah, oh fuck, did I lock this back up again? Hold on a second. God damn it, there we go. Okay, that's better. Uh, was there anything else I needed to gripe about? Eh, yesterday on Twitter and Facebook fucking annoyed me because everybody, well, actually, and especially at work, with, you know, all the, eh, it's 420. <laughs> okay, you know what, I, I got nothing against weed. No problem with it. I used to partake in the past. I would gladly go for the medicinal variety, if Jersey ever, you know, saw fit to do that for me, um, because I think that would be very helpful with my uh, anxiety and depression. But, you know, Chris Christie has no desire to let that happen on his watch. Fat piece of shit. Um, but I was, um, I was helping out, or I was doing, um, what the fuck? I think it was, I was, I was repairing some stuff in a classroom yesterday. And I had a wall plate opened up, and I'm trying to tuck some cables in because whoever fucking installed this shit did it completely wrong and just a half-assed job of it, so I had to make up for their mistakes. And um, I'm hearing students start pouring in because there's a class starting in 10 minutes. And the typical college student, oh, where, where's so-and-so? Oh, he's not coming into any of his classes today. He's just blazing up all day. 420, yeah. I'm like, 
are you fucking serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, these two guys have this whole conversation about how they're going to split up their cookies at the party tonight and everything. Really? Again, I got nothing against weed, but grow the fuck up. You know, enjoy it and don't... If if you have to really vocalize so much and make it apparent that, you know, you smoke weed, I don't know, then I think you're trying to show off a little bit too much. You know, it would be, well, it would be like if I uh, posted every beer drank on Twitter. Okay, I, eh, I guess I have a problem there. But it, still, I think I think my my uh, my gripe is a little bit solid. Plus, I just fucking hate most college kids anyway. I'm an old curmudgeon at this point anyway. So I guess I might as well get into some of the little press clippings before I get into the actual news stories. There, there were a couple I missed uh, from last week not being around, um, but I'll cover them anyway. Uh, the drinks business, an app rewards students with free beer. Now, initially, this sounded kind of lame, um, but let me read on here, again, from the drinks business. A can-slinging app called Push for Beer has been launched, which rewards top-scoring college students with free beer. Designed by the students at the University of San Diego, the app launched on March 19th allows smartphone users to play games in return for free beer at local bars. And I'm willing to bet that free beer is probably no more than Budweiser or Coors. Uh, Developed by Nathan Resnick and Albert Frimpong. Dude, Albert Frimpong. Dude should have invented some kind of beer pong thing. Jesus. Uh, The app targets college students in the San Diego area with three student bars in the area so far agreeing to hand out free beer. So far, the response has been incredible, and the retention in the app is insane. Resnick told UT San Diego, uh, when they start playing, they don't stop until they win a free beer. Well, yeah, they're probably just sitting in class doing this. The app has already been downloaded 2,000 times. It's free. requires students to simply swipe a beer can into a cooler with students rewarded with a free beer after reaching 30 points. A percentage bar then shows you how close you are to winning your next beer. Bars can sign up to take part in the promotion for free, choosing when they'll honor the free beer promotion. So, so even then, it's not all the time kind of thing. Uh, the theory being they're able to boost footfall during slower periods. Resnick's ultimate aim is to sell in-app advertising uh-huh, to the likes of Budweiser and Ballast Point. Well, at least, you know, you get Ballast Point in there. Our pitch is our pitch to the bars is we get them new customers because no one goes to a bar and has one beer and no one goes to a bar by themselves. Well, I've going to a bar by myself fuck you uh the return on investment of working with us is pretty incredible i don't know it 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 seems like a meaningless app to me um and i I think the novelty of it's gonna wear off i mean maybe i don't know maybe college students are really gonna really gonna go for that free beer if they're they're really hurting for money but if they're really hurting for money they're gonna go there and get one beer and then they're just gonna have that one beer uh I don't know. But, you know, uh, more power to these uh, these guys that made the app. I mean, if they can make some money off of it, make some money advertising and everything, f- fine. Uh, another advertisement thing kind of here. Uh, also from the drinks business, Carlsberg pours free beer from Billboard. This is actually a cool marketing technique. Uh, Danish brewer Carlsberg has set up a giant poster in London, which dispenses free beer and is the first stunt in a new campaign drive. 
Located near the old Truman Building in the East End, the poster is emblazoned with the slogan, probably the best poster in the world, riffing on the brand's now famous If Carlsberg Did advertising hook. Now, I'm not familiar with that because I don't really follow Carlsberg, but okay, I'll go with what they say here. According to The Drum, the poster is the first in what will be a year-long advertising campaign with a different marketing stunt taking place each month from now until December. Um, Darmesh Rana, senior brand manager at Carlsberg UK, told the news website, we have a pipeline of ideas that Carlsberg drinkers and new drinkers to the brand will see and hopefully in the long term start drinking the beer. Complementing the work we do on TV will be a number of stunts like the poster that will happen all the way through until the end of the year. Now, the thing I'm curious about is this thing dispenses free beer. Um, how do you uh, how do you keep underagers from uh, going and just sticking their heads under the tap? I mean, there's there's got to be I don't know some sort of security on this, I would suppose. But the article didn't even didn't even mention any of that. But it, it's a neat marketing idea. I mean, if if I heard there was a billboard giving away free beer, fuck it, yeah. I mean, I'll, you know, if there's not a big line to it, yeah, I'll, I'll go there and get a free beer. Which is funny because I I complained about free beer from the app thing. But, you know, that that actually, I think the app, uh, that takes a little bit more effort. I mean, I got to install the app. I got to actually play the game. I got to wait for the bar to actually offer the free beer. With this billboard, I could just walk right up to it and pour a beer. Uh, from the DailyMeal.com, this is another article that I've seen floating around from various sources. Japan introduces a collagen-infused beer for women. <sighs> Can we, before I even read that, can we stop it with this whole beer for women bullshit? Beer is beer. It's for men and women. This is like, this is like marketing a steak for women or, or a sandwich for women. It's fucking ridiculous. If a woman wants a beer, she will have a beer, not a beer that is made for women. So Japan has a collagen-infused beer for women. It's called Precious. Uh, Guys can tell if a girl's taking collagen or not is the absurd pitch for a new limited-release collagen-infused beer that's been introduced in Hokkaido, Japan. From brewing and distilling company Suntory, Precious Beer was introduced to the market in early April. The light beer contains 5% alcohol by volume and 2 grams of collagen, the main structural protein in your connective tissue, that gives your skin its elasticity. Uh, in the silly and sexist commercial, you can get a sense of the way Suntory is trying to sell the promise of beauty with beer, even if you don't speak Japanese. It, it, they're already being sexist by making a beer for women, so yeah, might as well go the full you know mile with the commercial there. Uh, we'd like to point out the general premise that this commercial might be less irritating if it were pitched to men too, who presumably also want to hold on to their useful good looks. Now, I don't care about my fucking skin at this point. I used to do lotions and shit like that. It's too expensive. Fuck that. So, stupid idea. Let it stay in Japan. Hopefully, you know, stupid gimmick doesn't make its way over to the U.S. like that. Uh, News 4, Jacksonville. Florida Senate passes growler bill. Yes, yes, yes. 64-ounce growler sales. It could actually, actually be happening this time, which would be nice because when I move to Florida at some point, I'd like to be able to get 64-ounce growlers. Uh, a bill to help Florida's craft brewing industry and allow sales of popular 64-ounce growlers of beer could soon head to the desk of Governor Rick Scott. Well, if it's heading to the desk of Rick Scott, then 
let's hold our horses here because that guy is a fucking asshole. Uh, the Florida Senate on Tuesday unanimously passed the bill that deals with growlers. It heads over to the House, which is working on a similar bill. Under a separate law enacted before craft breweries became popular in Florida, beer can only be sold in containers up to a quart or a gallon or more. P- the popular half-gallon growler has become a pawn in battle over the complex laws regulating brewing and sale of beer. Similar legislation has been considered in previous years, but disputes in the brewing industry kept the bills from passing. Only a few uh, comments on this one. Uh, the first one, yes, we need to control the lives of everyone and parent everybody's kids and decide what is best for everyone. Quick, hurry before it's too late. Um, 64 ounces of beer for all the alcoholics. Medical marijuana for all those suffering day by day, considering suicide because the pharmaceutical, you know, pharmaceuticals make them feel worse. I don't quite know what that has to do with anything, but okay. Uh, but that that may actually um, may actually go through this time if Rick Scott doesn't fucking veto it and say I don't think we should do this because it's gonna hurt the kids. Uh, some weeks back, I had mentioned that a uh, Oregon brewery wanted to brew with sewage water. Now, obviously, reclaimed sewage water, recycled sewage water. Uh, Regulators in Oregon have actually approved plans for that beer. This is from Time.com. The Oregon Environmental Quality Commission recently approved the use of recycled sewage water to brew beer. Um, Oh, that must be Mitch in the chat. Uh, The Oregon Public Broadcasting... Brewed via a purification process developed by Oregon's Clean Water Services, the beer would not be available for commercial or retail use, and the finished product would still need to undergo tests to make sure it's safe to drink. That makes sense. Won't be on tap at any bars. It would only be served at tasting events hosted by its manufacturers, the Home Brewing Club, Oregon Brew Crew, and other water professional society functions. That's kind of interesting that it would be a beer that would be served at water professional functions, which I didn't realize that was actually a thing, but I suppose any group of professionals, they're going to have some sort of conference. Uh, In 2014, Oregon's Clean Water Services hosted a brewing competition to challenge beer enthusiasts to make beer out of 30% purified wastewater. Overall, the point of developing this beer is to encourage innovative uses of the wastewater and spark a nationwide conversation about conserving water in creative ways in the midst of news about severe water shortages along the West Coast. I mean, we've been hearing that in the news all with California now. So, makes sense. Uh, you know, California breweries, this is the kind of technology that would probably help them pretty significantly right about now. Um, and actually, it, this... Um, this actually leads into another story I have that is um, kind of a, I wouldn't say environmentally conscious beer brewing, but a less wasteful, less, 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 God damn, Kevin, less wasteful kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah, that was Mitch. Uh-huh. I know Mitch thinks my show sucks. That's why he listens to it all the time. Uh, This is another one from the drinks business. Brewery makes beer from leftover bread. A microbrewery is producing a beer made from leftover bread, making use of the tons of bread thrown away by supermarkets each year. This is another good idea. Um, Now, I'm wondering how much they have to actually purchase this bread for. Because, I mean, the bread's being thrown away, so are are they just dumpster diving, kind of? I assume the bread that is, quote, thrown away by supermarkets is probably, you know, shipped back to the manufacturer for a credit or something like that. 
But anyway, described as a beer with a societal conscious, uh, Babylon is brewed from recycled fresh bread and is a brainchild of the Beer Project, a microbrewery based in Brussels. Sebastian Morvan, one of its co-founders, was spurred into producing the beer after realizing just how much bread was thrown away by supermarkets in the city every day. <laughs> Explaining the concept, the Beer Project said, Every day a great amount of food is wasted, especially in urban areas. Bread waste is estimated to account for 12% of total food waste in Brussels, and as such, it represents a real challenge. According to Morvan, 30% of the barley used in brewing can be replaced with one and a half slices of bread per bottle with 4,000 liters requiring 500 kilos of bread. Or that's a uh, little over 1,000 gallons and uh, about 1,100 pounds of bread. So, Using unsold bread, Morvan's team dries the bread before mashing it into a flour, mixing it with barley malt. After a year of research and development, the brewery settled on a recipe using 30% bread containing the equivalent of one to two slices of bread. Um, the beer is named Babylon after the ancient capital of Mesopotamia, home to the world's oldest evidence of beer. Uh, and I've covered that before. Um, the 7% bread bitter is sold in Brussels and is described as having a subtly salty taste and a hoppy finish. So it makes you wonder if they were, uh, going for a little bit of a gozo feel there too with the salty finish or salty taste on it. But the hoppy finish kind of goes away from that. Uh, it's a fusion between maybe what they used to do with bread a thousand years ago and contemporary brewing, said Morvan. It might not please everybody's palate, but I think the ones who like this will really enjoy it. I, uh, I'm curious about that. I'm never going to see this beer, but it's a neat concept. Um, could you say it's gimmicky? Maybe. But I think this could be a very cost-effective kind of thing for them. It's a socially responsible thing, uh, creating less waste or well there's still waste but they're making use of that waste just like in Oregon they're trying to make use of the wastewater so it's, it's kind of neat seeing different brewers trying different things that help socially help environmentally I mean you know if, if you're if you're you know a bleeding heart lib you probably really really love this kind of stuff but um, I don't even know what the fuck I am nowadays politically I just I, Fuck politics. Ugh, I don't even want to get into that. Ah, one beer down. This was a story that Mitch chastised me for being off last week. Elysian's Dick Cantwell resigns from Anheuser-Busch InBev. Uh, now, we remember that Elysian was acquired by Anheuser-Busch InBev. Um, when was that? Uh... January, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, because it was it was around the time of the Super Bowl because the whole Anheuser Busch and Bev or the Budweiser commercial with the pumpkin peach ale and all that. Um, and there was there was no um, no surprise that Dick Cantwell was not happy with what had happened with the acquisition. Uh, basically, he, if I remember correctly, it, it, it may outline this in the article. Um, he had two partners in Elysian, and they were basically the ones that greenlit the acquisition. And he didn't really want it to go through. I had a feeling that when he revealed that, and especially after the Budweiser Super Bowl commercial, that he was not going to be with Elysian much longer. And and it's a shame, because he helped start Elysian. And 
more or less, he 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 kind of got pushed out of it. Um, uh, hold on a second here. What the fuck? Um, what am I looking at here? Oh, duh. Okay. Uh, just three months after the brewery he helped start was acquired, Dick Cantwell has resigned from Elysium Brewing and Anheuser-Busch InBev. Uh, and this is from uh, brewbound.com, a uh, very good source. Um, God damn it. Um, I swear to God. Get, I I really need a new computer, don't I? I really need a new computer. I... Okay, there we go. Uh, I'm a craft brewer, however you cut it, he wrote to Brewbound in an email. Anheuser-Busch has been extremely courteous to me throughout all of this, presenting exciting opportunities to me and my brewing folks, but I just can't do it. And uh, honestly, you know, I, I, I don't blame him. He he was not a fan of this from the start. Um, it makes for a quick end to a union that had been shaky from the start. When the acquisition of the 20-year-old Seattle-based brewery was announced in January, Cantwell expressed his opposition to striking a deal with the world's largest brewer. This is not the outcome I had hoped for, but I'm trying to make the best of it, he said at the time. In the months since the deal was announced, the relationship between Cantwell and Elysium's two other founding partners, Joe Bisaka and David Bueller, deteriorated to the point where there was little, if any, communication. Working with them into a future of any duration is an intolerable, intolerable prospect for me, he told Brewbound. In prior conversations with Brewbound, Cantwell said the decision to sell the AB was contentious and described his partnership with Basaka and Bueller as dysfunctional. Uh, Anheuser-Busch completed its acquisition of Elysium Brewing earlier this month and had already sent Cantwell on trips to its Elk Mountain Hop Farm as well as Argentina where he was asked to consult on a brew pub project. I feel fortunate that I was able to get to know and work with Dick over the past couple of months. He's a true pioneer within the craft beer industry, said Andy Goler, uh, Anheuser-Busch's CEO of Kraft. They have a CEO of Kraft? Well, I guess, yeah, I guess he takes care of Goose Island and um, Elysian and... Um, Fuck. Uh, trying to remember other ones they bought out. I can't remember now. Fuck it. Uh, his input and opinions have been incredibly valuable to both me and Anheuser Bush. I both wish him all the best and hope that we're able to work with him again down the road. Um, Cantwell added, AB has been very considerate throughout the whole process. They've done a very good job of presenting what could be some very exciting possibilities, but internal excur international excursions weren't enough for Cantwell to overcome his own personal conflict with competing directly against other independent craft brewers whom he still felt connected to. I find it hard to move into a different realm, he said. I've spent quite a few years of my career on the Brewers Association board, and I think there is a difference. After Elysian was sold, Cantwell signed an employment contract with AB and agreed to remain with the company for two years, he said. Uh, that contract also contained a non-compete clause which restricts Cantwell from starting a new brewing operation in the Pacific Northwest. Oy. Although Cantwell wouldn't disclose the specific length of the non-compete, it's longer than 12 months. He hasn't ruled out the possibility of starting a new brewing operation with his girlfriend, New Belgium co-founder Kim Jordan. Oh, geez, I didn't even realize that. Uh, that's the main reason I try and keep this possibility open. In the short term, Cantwell plans to complete a book about wood and barrel-aged beers he's co-authoring with New Belgium brewmaster Peter Bookart. Cantwell's last day at AB InBev will be May 13th. 
And like reading reading about how the relationship between him and the other co-founders had become so dysfunctional and caustic, it almost makes me wonder if even if this acquisition hadn't happened, that he may have still left Elysian, you know, within the next year and that just them approving this acquisition was the final straw. Um I honestly, I honestly didn't know he he had ties to New Belgium like that, and that's kind of cool. And that the fact that if you know his girlfriend is a founder or a co-founder of New Belgium, at the very least, he's not going to be hurting for money. I mean, shit, you know, he's probably still not going to be hurting for money after the acquisition from AB InBev. But the shitty thing is that no compete clause. That's what's going to hurt him because he's he's going to want to get back in there and make beer and he's going to have to wait at least a year really to get into that and that that's a damn shame that is a damn shame because that guy apparently knows his stuff but uh he he stuck to his guns and you know left Elysian left AB and Bev and that's that's kind of the the um that's kind of the lumps he has to take there. Uh, then the other big story that was popping up, and everybody was sending me links to this. Even people that don't necessarily listen to my show but know that I'm a beer guy. Whew. So uh, the article I got, let's see, the first one here is merely a description of this. This is um, New Belgium Salted Caramel Brownie Brown Ale, a Ben and Jerry's collaboration now ordinarily i would probably just you know leave this for the uh, releases and reveals at the end of the show uh and i will actually oh son of a bitch that's not an image link what are you doing kev copy image url there we go um but there's there's a little bit more to this so label in the chat right there and if you're not in the chat uh pop into more like radio.com slash live if you are listening live if you're listening via podcast don't go to the chat because that would be ridiculous so, this is a collaboration between New Belgium Brewing and Ben and & Jerry's, Salted Caramel Brownie Brown Ale. The label on it has a very distinctive Ben & Jerry's feel. It has the clouds, uh, has a silly-looking cow on there with a winter hat and scarf and ski goggles. From uh, Beer Street Journal, they have the description here on... Um, Chocolatey Brown Ale initially looks to benefit or at least create awareness for Protect Our Winters, an organization founded by pro snowboarder Jeremy Jones. The organization seeks to lessen the impact of climate change on America's snow-laden mountains. Uh, And let's see, this is on the bottle itself. When two B Corp, uh, when two B Corps come together, uh, delicious ideas are created. Our mutual dedication to using business as a force for good means you get to enjoy this brown ale laden with the chocolatey, salted caramel, vanilla goodness while helping protect our winters, combat climate change. Dig in. It will be available in 22 ounce bottles, but technically New Belgium has not officially announced it, which that seems to be coming more and more where the the beers, the info for them is getting leaked somehow, but the breweries aren't actually officially announcing the release of them Uh, 6.3% ABV it's a brown ale with cocoa so uh, who knows when that release is going to be but if you get New Belgium you're probably going to see it but why did I not leave it for uh, the end of the show 
From USA Today, Ben and Jerry's takes heat for ice cream beer. Okay, I want to punch Bruce Horowitz for writing that headline. But of course, people are losing their shit over this beer already. No, Ben and Jerry's isn't making a beer-flavored ice cream, or for that matter, a marijuana-flavored ice cream. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? But it's taking some heat for plans to put its kid-friendly name and image on a craft beer. The Burlington, Vermont ice cream specialist, known for its often wacky flavor combinations, announced Thursday that it plans to create a craft beer dubbed Salted Caramel Brownie Brown Ale with Fort Collins, Colorado-based New Belgium Brewing. The brew is tentatively scheduled to hit the market in fall 2015. Our fans can expect something both delicious and impactful, said Jay Curley, senior global marketing manager in a statement. But the marketplace impact may be quite different than what Ben & Jerry's, which is owned by Unilever, intended. Although the move comes at a time when the craft beer market is exploding, there is parallel national movement to protect children from being marketed to or influenced by makers of adult-focused products like tobacco and alcoholic beverages. Some wonder if Ben & Jerry is a progressive chain that has long stood, for insult, stood up for important social and environmental issues has crossed a line. Okay, let's see. Bruce Lee Livingston, executive director and CEO of Alcohol Justice, an alcohol industry watchdog consumer group. It's a crass corporate greedy move to put a brand name like Ben & Jerry's on a beer... It's bad for children who'll start looking at beer as the next step after ice cream. Are you fucking shitting me? Okay, um, let's look at some of the Ben and Jerry's ice creams. Uh, let's look at, uh, I don't know, um, let's see, Cherry Garcia. Oh no, the kids are gonna start listening to Grateful Dead and doing acid! Ice cream is the next step to LSD! Basically. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Um, well, there was Late Night Snack, and I think that might have been for Jimmy Kimmel, possibly? And then there was The, t- the Tonight Dough. Both late night shows that you know kids typically are not watching because they're in bed by that point. But... Kids are going to want to stay up late and watch these shows with adult subject matter, and then they'll be raping and pillaging our neighborhood. Bruce Lee Livingston is a fucking tool. Executives from Ben & Jerry's did not immediately respond to phone and email requests for comment on the criticism, but a press release from both companies about the Ben & Jerry's ice cream-inspired beer says... The two like-minded businesses have long championed similar causes such as minimizing carbon pollution and supporting sustainable agriculture. The project will focus on environmental awareness as well. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's another article that I may want to bring up too. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, I want to try and find a fucking photo of this guy to see if he's as douchey as I'm imagining. Ah, uh, come on, Google. Do, why the fuck is the Loch Ness Monster in the Google image today? Is that him? Uh, this, this may be the guy. Let me see here. Oh, yep. Yep. Oh, God. This, this guy looks like a barrel of laughs. Oh, Bruce Lee Livingston. Oh, 
He looks like a fun guy, doesn't he, guys? Uh, last month, Ben and Jerry's co-founder Ben Cohen said in an interview with HuffPost Live that he has, he has considered the possibility of a marijuana-infused ice cream. Even then, the move is unusual for Ben and Jerry's, a social justice-focused company whose three-part mission statement emphasizes product quality, economic reward, and community commitment. This is a troubling development, said Livingston of the Ben and Jerry's beer. It does no favors for the youth of America. Um, you know something funny? When I was a kid, I, I, I never had Ben and Jerry's. You know why? Too fucking expensive. Uh, we got the cheap shit. And I wasn't complaining about it then, but the cheap store brand stuff from Meyer back when I was in Michigan. Uh, chocolate marshmallow. Fuck yeah. They did a really good one. Uh, we weren't even fucking buying briars. As an adult, I have Ben and Jerry's every so often. Very, very rarely. But, again, this, this, this Bruce Lee Livingston dude is a fucking idiot. Um... Let's see, from Eater.com. New Ben & Jerry's beer will corrupt American children, say critics. Uh, let's see if there's anything else in this article that... Uh, uh, the same quote from Bruce Lee Livingston. Beer is the next step after ice cream. What the fuck, dude? Fucking... This dude's a fucking pussy. Um, let's see if there are any comments in this article. Ooh, there are! This should be good. Uh, this isn't being marketed to children, you silly idiots. Kids can't buy alcohol until they're 21. Give it a rest. Uh, yep, and reply to that. Thank you. This is BS logic. Adults like ice cream. Kids also like ice cream. So therefore, beer by an ice cream company is aimed at kids. I bet they think flavored condoms are aimed, aimed at kids too. That's an excellent point. Kids love fruit flavors. Condoms often come in fruit flavors when they are flavored. Therefore... They're marketing flavored condoms to children. Very nice. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's not Ben and Jerry's making the beer. It's New Belgium. Um, <laughs> Diane Eldridge. I like what she has to say. On any given day, any given time, 20% of the people in this country will complain about something, anything, doesn't matter. Um, Christopher Fry. Actually, in Fort Collins, Colorado, no less. Likes the, it's bad for children who will start looking at beer as the next step after ice cream. Yes, beer is like adult ice cream. And fast cars are like adult tricycles. Um, be a parent. The world should not have to be a parent to your kids. This is why this country is doomed. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Jim Spicer, who works at IBM, apparently... Now turn it around and imagine if Ben and Jerry's was partnering with a tobacco company to produce Cherry Garcia 100 cigarettes. Would this change your outlook? And uh, somebody replied, seeing as cigarettes are nothing but harmful, this is a pretty poor comparison. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> this, uh, okay, Daniel Gregory Kalaf has a pretty good point here. Dear Bruce Lee, Beer is indeed the next step after ice cream. Sugar is an addictive, destructive drug, just like alcohol. And while it won't give you cirrhosis of the liver, it will certainly fast-track you diseases like diabetes, chronic inflammation, Alzheimer's, depression, etc. The only way our children and our earthly society as a whole will be safe is if we completely ban alcohol and sugar and guns and the names Ben and Jerry. I think that guy had some good sarcasm going there. Um, 
Bruce Lee Livingston of Alcohol Justice needs to switch to decaf. Uh, pathetic is your, is your best attempt at relevancy, Bruce. Just because something has a cartoon animal on it doesn't automatically make it targeted at children, i.e. Playboy's bunny. Wow. Only one person in support of this Bruce Lee Livingston dickhead. Um, oh, interesting. Ben and Jerry's have actually already made a beer-flavored ice cream. It was called Duff and Donuts, made for the Simpsons movie premiere in Springfield, Vermont, on a limited run. I can't remember reading any complaints about the chocolate stout and donut concoction. That Oh, God, that sounds good. Though the samples they handed out were much less regulated than they would have been if they were in a liquor store. Um, is this guy aware of the delicious voodoo donut beer from Rogue? Okay, uh, delicious. You may be uh, overextending yourself there, uh, Elizabeth Halverson, but uh, I, I take your point there. Um it's not Ben and Jerry's fault if you cannot, as a parent, talk to your children about images on alcoholic packaging when alcohol consumption is appropriate and how to do it responsibly. Um, and the last one here, the, let the parents worry about teaching their children not to drink until they're 21. Some people think we need to wrap them all in bubble wrap because they're too stupid to make the right choices. Wow, there are actually rational people out there today. I did not think that was possible because... Well, look at how many stupid people you encounter on a daily basis and realize that that's only a drop in the bucket of these stupid people that are just dying to be offended by something or want to stop somebody else's good time and go back to the 420 thing. I wasn't trying to stop anybody's good time. I just thought it was just, I don't know, kind of pathetic the way they were parading themselves around. That was all. Um... Ugh. Now, uh, I I know I'm not going to be able to get a bottle of this beer, but uh, if anybody does uh, happen to want to send me a bottle when it comes out, I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, unless maybe by the fall, New Belgium's actually distributing out here to New Jersey, which I do not necessarily see happening, but I eh, can always hope. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I'd say it's probably time thereabouts for break. Um after the break, I have I have lists. I have lists. We like lists with numbers because numbers are good. Lists are good because I can kind of stop and evaluate them after after each uh, after each entry, and we may find out some uh, interesting things about me in the process. Who knows? And uh, there's an there's an article from First We Feast uh, dealing with breweries in the American South and why there is a distinct lack of them compared to the American North. You can probably guess why that is, but I will get into that after the break. So uh, go to the bathroom, get yourself another beer, um, go have a cigarette, uh, I don't know, go get some shitty fast food and come back, and I'll be back in about, uh, I don't know, five and five? Who was that, Chuck Woolery? Yeah, whatever. Alcohol by volume, Kevin Show. Hey! Hey. It's the name of the show. Hey! More like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. Let's shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find you're drunk in this fit. Are you on appeal? I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Antisocial Gamer Radio. 
Hi, this is Ashley, host of Antisocial Game Radio, telling you to come listen to my show every Tuesday at uh, 9pm UK time, 4pm Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Uh, every week I like to talk about all the latest stuff going on in the gaming world, what's been coming out, what's new releases, all the topics that you like to hear. I'll be talking about it every single week. The Elvis and Albert Show, Thursdays, morelikeradio.com, 5 to 7. I'm Elvis Cage. I'm Alfred. I'm Jameson, and on the phone... It's Bill. I'm phoning it in. Oh, he's phoning it in. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Half Penny Pub of Bill. That's right. Punk rock music, independent music, and all the rest of the things that we speak about. Crazy party stuff. <laughs> Here on morelikeradio.com and elvisandalfred.com 24-7. Yar! The Elvis and Alfred Show. Cousin Joe Show. And I, I'm sitting in the chair. He did the barber cock touch. What the fuck? This is what it is. Dude, where do you go to get your hair cut? Listen to me. Where are you going? See how I'm sitting right now? Yeah, I do. Where are my elbows? Outside the chair. Oh! <laughs> they always go around the side. And, and where the fucking... The height of my <laughs> elbow is always their dick. He reaches in and his, his cock touches my elbow. And the thing is, like, I can't immediately jerk away because that looks like... <laughs> you know you touched it. Right. I'm acknowledging a cock touch. So instead, I just leave it there and let him rub his dick on my elbow. <laughs> Dude. Did he go back and forth? That's when you could tell. Did he I was, go back and forth ever, like, fast? Like, not, not, like, fa- not fast. <laughs> it, I, I wonder if guys do play games or get the barber hard. Kind of wiggle their elbow. Nobody does that, Joe. Well, weird faggots. Who knows? You're fucking weird. <laughs> Tune in to the Cousin Joe Show live Thursday night, 7 to 10 on More Like Radio. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I just keep thinking to myself, and it makes me giggle, that I, every time I hear the story, I imagine it was Ray Romano in the same situation. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. <laughs> kind of does. I barely it. touched her. Come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, it was my brother. Look at him. He's bigger than me. Come on. Come on. Everybody loves me. I got, I got twins. Come on. Oh, let's go. Let's go Home Depot. Come on. Fess up, Raymond. You know it was you. They got you on video. Anybody want soup? Ma, come on. We're talking over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm dying. <laughs> so if you learn anything from Hippo Juice, remember Ray Romano allegedly punched his wife in an elevator. Right. <laughs> we don't report the news accurately. We report half of it. Whatever. It's still news. So fuck you guys. This is more entertaining than some football player. Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Now deep beat, cause the V is so deep. An interesting show, it won't ever put you to sleep. It has all the content that you want the best show on the planet. I ain't even gonna front deep beat. Bringing it again and again. Don't ever miss a show and make sure that you're always tuned in. Hosted by my man Mike and Ski Ray. Keep it turned up on the mic all day. Ask me what's my favorite podcast. I say DP. 
Listen to the show while you're sipping on your tea. It's the hottest of the hot. You ain't gotta trust me. Tune into the show and you will definitely see. With Mike and Ski Ray, you can't go wrong. The biggest show ever, bigger than a King Kong. Listen up and don't ever, ever miss a beat. It's Deep V. Remember that the V is so deep. What's up, everybody? DV Podcast. DV. Be sure to listen to us Fridays at 8 Eastern on MoreLikeRadio.com. Yep. Also download us on iTunes. Just type in DV. DV, your favorite podcast. Favorite, favorite podcast. You know, we at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents <laughs> as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like... All of the countries. Where are you going for her? We'll name check every country on the show. That way no one can be mad. How about that? I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah. Well. Birdie, birdie. <laughs> <laughs> and to the Italians. Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. <laughs> okay. And to the Mexicans. The amen. <laughs> uh, Spain. <laughs> Uh, Singapore? Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Crocodile Doom Dark. No. A big loop, are you? No, that sounds That's like terrible. Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slag off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster, after lubricating it in my asshole, and put it up as far as I could in my asshole, and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. I can't believe. I then... I then imagined my I then imagined in my head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball shooting all my pee into my ass. I kept taking to the I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, making it feel like it was a huge come. Listen to Dutch and Royce Live Tuesdays from ten to midnight, only on morelikeradio.com. Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave them a lot and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. It's right there on the right, stupid. The official Alcohol by Volume YouTube channel. Find out what's destroying my liver every week. Ah, my liver, my liver. New beer reviews every Saturday morning. And occasionally some bonus reviews in the middle of the week, too. Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash Alcohol by Volume. Come on, let's go drink till we can't feel feelings anymore. <laughs> A tub of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. Morelikeradio.com. 
other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. I've been trying to I've been trying to stick to the harder alcohol uh, as a means to lose weight. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you tried not drinking? <laughs> what? <laughs> Get out of here, doctor. <laughs> I've, uh, I, 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 like, I, I like vodka a lot. Vodka's, I, I like it. Whiskey can eat a dick. Fuck whiskey. And it's dirt water looking qualities. It's fucking dirt water. It sucks. It's a shitty fucking drink. And the worst part about whiskey is that you'll have fun with it one night, but it's like a shitty one night stand where you wake up the next day and whiskey's still there making you feel like shit. Reminding you they're an, you're an asshole. It's like you wake up and you, you look on the other side of the bed and whiskey's still there. It's like, oh, hey, man. I know a place that's already serving wings. And you're like, oh, no. No, whiskey, I, I got to go to work. You're not going to work. Uh, back here on ABV on More Like Radio. The phone number to call in, 862-345-7125, alcohol, and the Skype name is alcohol by volume, all one word. Uh, and if I, uh, if I appear at all distracted for, um, for this, uh, portion of the show on my, let's see, okay, my, on my main monitor right here, I have, of course... Uh, you know, the articles that I'm covering, um, the chat and everything. Uh, second screen, I got, like, my soundboard, Skype, uh, audition, all that kind of stuff. Third monitor, I have the Red Wings Tampa Bay game going on. So, uh, yeah, that is what happens during hockey playoff season. Uh, you guys kind of knew what you were getting with me. So, fucking deal with it. Uh... From First We Feast, the reason for the lack of breweries in the American South. Apparently, it is a combination of Baptists and Big Beer. Yes. Now, of course, there, there are rather prominent breweries in the South. You know, look at Cigar City, um, Abita, you know, breweries like that. But the South is actually the region with the fewest breweries per capita in the country. So the article from First We Feast goes on... Ooh, Taco Bell Chick Star. God damn, that does look good. Shit. And considering the beers I'm drinking tonight are not typical, that um, high ABV, maybe I could make a Taco Bell run later. No, 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 no. Stay home, Kevin. Jesus Christ. My wife tried to surprise me with snackage, not realizing that she got something that the last time I had it made me... Pretty violently ill. Not not the vomiting type, but uh, let's just say the other direction. It's like the little Enemans, uh donuts. Not the not the little donut holes like Munchkins, but the mini uh, chocolate dipped donuts, like cake donuts. Um, now perhaps the problem is that I ate pretty much the entire box in one evening. Yes, that may have contributed to it, but. Uh, as Louis C.K. said, I can't not eat all the donuts. So I'm going to try and pawn them off on my father-in-law, maybe my kid, something like that, because I do not want to be touching those. Um, 
think my my post show snack. I might just have some chips and salsa and kind of leave it at that. Woo! Oh, sorry. This is the first home game for the Red Wings at uh, Joe Lewis in the playoffs, so I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, I could if if I really if I really wanted to be a dick. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's turn down that volume and. Uh, yeah, I could I could probably do this. Oh, hey, look. Yeah, see? See, I got hockey games on here. Oh, look. Oh, Star Spangled Banner. There you go. Karen Newman's kind of hot, if you are familiar with her. Oh, it looks like she's getting a little bit older. Uh, and if, if guys like Alan and Scrams are listening to this, they probably want to kill me right now. So I'll uh, drop that down here. Back to the article. Baptist and big brewers might seem like odd bedfellows, but in the South, they found themselves on the same side of an issue. According to a study at the University of Louisville, they're the two main reasons there aren't more craft breweries. Professor Stephen Goman, author of Why Are There So Few Breweries in the South? I guess he kind of hit it right on the nose with uh, the name of that book. Says that Baptists are more vocally opposed to alcohol sales than any other religious denomination. Apparently, Mormons are too polite to lobby against microbrewers. Um, and, again, why, uh, why Why does religion just feel the need to ruin everybody else's good time? Okay, fine. You believe a certain way. You're opposed to alcohol sales. You're opposed to gay marriage. You're opposed to I'm trying to think of other things. Uh, I don't know, black people, because religion was like that for a while. Remember? Um, don't fuck with other people. Then, if you're opposed to it, fine. You don't have to get gay married. You do not have to purchase alcohol. You do not have to get railed by a big buff black dude. Too much. Um. Uh, by Goldman's findings, Baptists opposed to such breweries have found assistance from the major breweries. Companies like Anheuser-Busch InBev and Miller Coors LLC throw money behind politicians and legislation that make it harder for craft breweries to operate. According to Goldman's research, states such as Indiana that allow craft brewers to self-distribute have 50% more breweries than states such as Kentucky where brewers have to go through a distribution company. The major breweries often own distributorships, giving them an advantage in those states and making it incredibly difficult for a small brewer to get their beer into bars and stores. Uh, let's see. Uh, which is a crying shame because there are some excellent beers being brewed below the Mason-Dixon line. Florida and Georgia are home to some of the region's top breweries, yet in 2013, those states ranked 46th and 47th when it came to breweries per capita. I'm actually very surprised when it comes to Florida with that. Uh, North Carolina came in at a more respectable 22nd place. According to the Brewers Association, an average of 1.5 new craft breweries opened per day in 2014, contributing to an industry worth $19.6 billion. If Southern legislators stopped hindering that growth in their own states, they could be reaping the economic benefits right about now and drinking some kick-ass brews to celebrate. And obviously, yeah, they, they could, you know, they they could help the economy in their states. But, oh, 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 not 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 by getting in bed with, with the devil in beer. Oh, 
oh, never mind the fact that they're getting in bed with Anheuser-Busch and Coors anyway. A typical hypocritical politician bullshit. And we should be used to it. So it, it is it is a shame. Um, I actually, I often wonder how, uh, how distribution is down in the South. Now, there aren't, there aren't, you know, as many breweries per capita, but I often wonder how actual distribution is. Like, the stuff that I get here in Jersey, um, how much of that would I still see in Florida, for instance, too? Um... And I'm not talking about, you know, my local Jersey brews. I'm not even talking about, like, you know, the stuff I get from Pennsylvania and things like that. I'm talking about, you know, I don't know, stuff like Harpoon. Stuff, oh, goddamn, off the goalpost. Son of a bitch. Um, you know, stuff like Harpoon. Um, stuff like Brooklyn Brewing. I mean, I, I don't know. Is that is that too local for me? Um, uh, I don't know. If, if anybody can tell me, like... Because I, I always assume... You have your staples out there. You have Rogue, Stone. Um, I mean, I, I see I see Abita as being a wide distribution one. I know that Weyerbacher, for instance, is a little bit more local for me. But then there's stuff like um, uh, Dewclaw that's wider distribution. Um, fuck. Uh, Ballast Point, Dogfish Head, um uh, maybe flying dog to some respect, but more restricted to the East Coast, and I don't know how far it goes into the Midwest, but um, I need to look into that. I, I know I have bookmarked... Um, where is it? Uh, uh, I know I had something bookmarked. Seeker Brew U.S. Distribution Map. Actually, you know what? Let me open that up in a new tab and see. I might be able to just pull out Florida right there, and that will tell me. Because there are certain things I just, I consider that I will, you know, always be able to find. And maybe that's not always the case. So let's see, Florida, uh, Abita, Anchor, Anderson Valley, Avery, Back 40, Ballast Point, Bardstail, Beer Republic. You know, I'll, just, I'll stick with the ones that I know and maybe some that I can't get to. Bells, uh, Blue Point, Boston Beer. Yeah, obviously. Every, Boulevard, Breckenridge, Buffalo Bills, uh Cascade, that's limited. Uh, Cigar City, which I can't get. Clown Shoes, uh, they're limited there, which I get a shitload of Clown Shoes stuff out here now. Um, Crooked Stave, I don't think I get Crooked Stave out here. Dogfish Head, that's good that they still get Dogfish Head down in Florida because it's going to be important to me if I move. Uh, Dewclaw Duclaw on draft only? Oh, shit. Now that's kind of a bummer unless I can get Growler fills of that. Oh. Uh, limited availability, Evil Twin, um, Flying Dog, okay, that's good. Flying Fish, limited. I'm actually kind of surprised that they get Flying Fish down there, even in a limited capacity, because that's a New Jersey brewery. Uh, Fort Collins, Founders, good. Funky Buddha, limited, okay, fine. Uh, Goose Island, not surprised. Uh, Great Divide, Green Flash, Harpoon, okay, that answered that question there. Hoppin' Frog, cool. Uh, Jolly Pumpkin, awesome. Kona, awesome. Lagunitas, good. Uh, left hand, good. See, I'm, I'm feeling better about this. Uh, Mendocino, New Belgium, obviously. You know, I knew New Belgium's down there. Uh, oh, Nola's down there, too. Nice. Oscar Blues, Otter Creek, Amagang. I actually heard that 
what uh, fuck what what show was it i was listening to it was it was some podcast i was listening to where they were talking about the uh the game of thrones beers i i want to say it was um james j from li's uh show uh this is never gonna work but i don't remember for certain but they were saying like the game of thrones beers were like shit and the the distributors are having problems actually selling them but anyway that that oh my gang made me think about that Prairie Artisan Ales, awesome. Rogue, of course. Uh, sea Dog, Sierra Nevada, six point six point nice, nice that six point goes all the way down there. Southern Tier, Shiner, Sprecher, that's good. The Sprecher's down there. Stouts, cool. Sweetwater, Terrapin, the Brewery, Thomas Creek, Thomas Hooker, Tommy Knocker, Twisted Pine, Uinta, Victory. Oh, Weyerbacher is in Florida. Okay, you know what? I'm all set. I have no problem if I can still get Weyerbacher in Florida. I will be very, 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 very happy. Um, okay, you know, it, Mitch. It, yeah, Mitch says so few breweries because they're all a bunch of stupid inbred hick assholes. Eh, probably a lot of them, yeah. And he also says, you know, it's funny. Minnesota has a metric shit ton of breweries, but we still can't buy beer on Sunday because Jesus. And uh, those fucking blue laws. Th- there is, there is, uh, there are a few things that piss me off more than just the existence of blue laws in today's society. It there is no reason for it. I mean, you have these people screaming and whining and complaining, "Obama's gonna gonna turn us into a Sharia law nation with the Muslim." <sighs> Look at these fucking blue laws. They're all derived from Christianity. All of them. You know, that's that's pretty fucking close to, you know, religious law right there, you dickheads. Ugh. Never understand that. Sunday is not any different a day to me, except for the fact that I know that half the stores I want to go to are going to close early because Jesus. Fucking shit. Um... Yeah, only one comment on this article, but it's a good one from Zoxim. It says a confederacy of assholes. That's more or less, more or less what uh, Mitch said right there. Ah, uh, so like I said, I'm gonna dip into some lists here, and which one do I want to hit first? I'll hit this one here. I actually get emails from Liquor.com in my inbox, and occasionally something catches my eye. As something that may be interesting to talk about on the show. And this was one of them. Six illegal cocktails banned in the U.S. and the U.K. Now, I was actually not familiar with... Let's see. One, two... Sort of three. Okay. Scroll back up the top here. We got Nutcrackers which are banned in New York City. Now, what is a nutcracker? Well, with origins in Harlem, of course, this illegal liquor has been a New York summer tradition since the 1990s. The premise of nutcrackers is a simple one. Combine several high-proof liquors, such as 160-proof Devil's Springs Vodka, 151-proof Bacardi 151 Rum, Southern Comfort, or just about anything else into plastic bottles. Add sweet fruit juice such as mango, cranberry, or pineapple and put the concoction in the freezer until it becomes slushy. 
Uh, while it's illegal to sell liquor without a license, nutcrackers aren't particularly hard to find in New York City. You can usually get a 12-ounce bottle for $10. And um, the image that they actually have in the article here, it um, they're using those, um, like, the Chinese food containers. The, you might get a, a quart of uh, egg drop soup in them, for instance. Uh, let's see. There we go. So those are those are nutcrackers. I was not familiar with that particular cocktail, but basically, it's it, it's a high proof slushy with with um, fruit juice. That's really all it is. Um, I'm curious why it is uh, why it's banned in New York City, but okay. Uh, Moby Dick whale cocktail banned in the UK. What could be in a Moby Dick cocktail that warrants a ban in the UK? Hint, it's not a giant penis. This forbidden libation, once served in the Nightjar Bar in East London, consists of scotch, ale, and bitters infused with a slice of dried whale skin, which is illegal in most European countries. The bar's owner claims an employee vacationing in Japan purchased the whale meat not knowing that it was prohibited in the UK. So that's actually kind of interesting. Um... I wonder what kind of flavors you would get out of dried whale skin. Um, I don't know. Had to be getting something out of it unless it was just kind of a gimmicky thing. This one's banned in Maryland. This is the Vapertini. Uh, turns out you don't have to be Lindsay Lohan to inhale alcohol. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All you need is a simple device that evaporates flavor-infused alcohol through a straw. The end result is faster intoxication since the vapors deliver the booze directly into your bloodstream instead of being processed through the stomach and liver. A novelty you can enjoy in all states but Maryland, which banned the liquidless libation last year. Now, that's actually kind of surprising that we've we've seen articles on... um, I'm trying to remember the way... what they termed it. Because you couldn't call it vaping at this point, not with, um, not with e-cigs and everything. Um, I guess just vaporized alcohol. I'm surprised that Maryland is the only one that has banned it. You would think that that would be one that you'd want to ban because it is very dangerous when it really comes down to it. Uh, palcohol. We know about palcohol. It's a powdered alcohol. It is banned in Alaska, Delaware, Louisiana, Michigan, and Vermont. Um, I won't really get into alcohol, what they say in the article here, because uh, I've covered alcohol so many times, and I'm waiting for it to go on sale so I can try it and see how the hell it comes across. Uh, uh, Number five on this list, Four loco. Now, I thought... I had seen Four Loco uh, still in stores. So, eh, eh, banned in the U.S., but the original formula. Remember those caffeine-fueled spirit targeted at college kids a few years ago? The idea was that you could get buzzed and drunk at the same time. Turns out that's not such a good thing. Four Loco made more hearts race than David Hufflehoff at Oktoberfest, also known as Blackout in a Can. Yeah, that sounds like my kind of drink, doesn't it? The boost-infused energy drink was to blame for numerous alcohol-related hospitalizations, landing the company in hot water with officials. Uh, uh, you can still find... Uh, holy shit, I'm tired. Goddamn. Ah, oh, Quincy, what the fuck, dude? Ah, oh, bad pass. 
Uh, you can still find Four Loco on store shelves. However, the new incarnation is a shell of its former juiced-up self as it no longer contains caffeine. I guess that makes sense. I guess the caffeine made that much of a difference in it. And then the last one on here, Frosties, spelled with a PH at the beginning. Banned in New York. There's another one I had never really heard of. Uh, if you think buying homemade, unregulated alcoholic slushies from the internet is a bad idea, you're probably right. Oh, shit. You know what? I think I had heard about this now that I think about it. Uh, before New York banned Frosties last year, you could order these colorful libations through an Instagram-based delivery service. I, that's, that's what rings a bell with me. Um, at $10 a pop, the sugary spirits came in exotic-sounding flavors like Blue Hawaiian and Dragonberry Colada. Rumors circulated that the drinks were laced with codeine and other drugs. People even reported experiencing extreme intoxication and hallucinations. Turns out Frosties were made up of a moderate amount of alcohol and a whole lot of sugar. And they actually uh, they actually look kind of tasty. I'm not trying to be a 14-year-old girl with alcohol. I drink my beers. I'm not going to be drinking Frosties or Nutcrackers or anything like that. Jesus Christ. Um, let's see. Du, 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 du. Oh, yes! Woo! Who the fuck scored that one? One nothing lead. Thank you. Oh, who the fuck was that? Oh, that was Tatar. Thank you. Thank you. Tampa Bay does not even have a shot on goal yet. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, somebody actually, let's see, Joe Fish, Joe underscore fish at culinary.edu. He posted a comment about the vapor teeny mentioned. Since alcohol can be absorbed directly into the bloodstream without being digested, we absorb as much as 5% of the total absorbed in our mouth and esophagus. 20% is absorbed in the stomach and 75% in the small intestine. The liver metabolizes alcohol already in the bloodstream. Admittedly, inhaling the vapor leads to much higher absorption, but we do get a bit of the buzz before the booze hits your belly. Okay. Um, I don't know if he really told us much that we didn't know, but that's fine. Um, so this one uh, from Paste Magazine. Uh, four rules for finding a drinking buddy in the world of craft beer. This is uh, written by Alan Park. Um, now, to be fair, uh, I do most of my drinking at home. I've mentioned that before. I don't really have friends to go out and drink with. And apparently when I do, um, I drink pitchers of beer and end up in the hospital. So, But if you are the type that wants to go out and spend more money on beer than you necessarily need to, um, well, these might be some good tips for you. The wild world of craft beer is a wonderful, beautiful thing. My 10 years of magical memories and many a hazy hop-fueled night in this hobby. Damn it. See, this is why I, this is why I cannot write for a publication because I can't write... I, I can't honestly write that kind of prose without feeling like a douche. Nothing against Alan Park. He's doing his job, but goddamn. Uh, in this hobby, or testament to that, blah, 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 blah. Craft beer movement, fully hit its stride, blah, blah, blah. By and large, beer nerds are fine, upstanding people, but occasionally we can be petty, immature, insecure, and completely exclusionary to someone who's just discovered life outside of Bud Miller and Coors. Seriously, look at all the crap that Fresh Craft converts get whenever they ask innocent questions such as, what are sour beers? I'm not going to give somebody crap if they ask that because that's a very good question to ask. I love sour beers. Or, where can I buy a bottle of Plenty Younger? 
That I'll say, uh, probably nowhere. Sorry. Uh, look, I've been there as someone who dove headfirst into this craft beer game with no similarly minded friends. It was incredibly tough and lonely to even stay afloat. And it took a decent amount of stakes to find my group of drinking buddies in this hobby. Here are four important tenets to friendship that I've gleaned from my stupidly long and storied craft or career as a craft beer enthusiast and borderline alcoholic. And this is um, th- this is a very true one. This first rule here: if you can't handle the heat, get off the internet. And uh, says in this age, wow, a beer commercial with Neil Patrick Harris and Heineken. God damn it! Uh, in this day and age of beer advocates, talk beers and untapped wait, talk beers. Maybe he means a rate beer. And unta- I don't know. Is there a talk beer? Uh, and untaps. The internet is undoubtedly the place to go if you're looking for camaraderie in this crazy hobby. But just like every other passion project, the anonymity. The uh, no, no identity. There we go. I can't speak tonight. Just like every other night. Of the internet makes these places an unbelievable breeding ground for assholes, snobs, scammers looking to score big off unwitting first-time traders. The craft beer crowd is already a smarmy bunch of sharp-tongued know-it-alls, but the internet can exacerbate those traits straight into unbearable pretension. If you can stick through the tough times and develop a thick hide, you'll have the testicular fortitude to ward off the bullshit and perhaps find long-lasting, meaningful relationships with your fellow beer kin. If you can't handle people giving you shit for asking the most basic of beer questions or don't want to be preyed on by scumbag profiteers, the internet is not the place for you. And Beer Advocate is definitely one of those places because, I don't know, I, I see it a lot in in the message forums where if anybody says even remotely a good word about an Anheuser-Busch pro- product, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're not exactly... I don't know. They're they're not exactly beaten down, but their opinion is just kind of seen as invalid. Um, like, I don't know. It, it like for instance, okay, um, Goose Island. You will see a lot of commenters on Beer Advocate. At least I've witnessed it in the past. That will be like, eh, Goose Island isn't as good since it got purchased by AB InBev. Now. I will admit I have no point of reference for this. I was unable to have Goose Island until they were purchased by AB InBev and distribution widened and everything, so I was able to get it. But it really makes me... I mean, that does not seem to be a prevailing opinion, except on Beer Advocate. Or sometimes on Reddit, too. Reddit, I don't know. The, the, the Beer subreddit is very, very hit or miss, where... Certain threads just seem to be overwhelming snobbery. And don't get me wrong, I love Reddit. I love Reddit. I spend all day on there because I am a lazy piece of shit. Um, but some of the some of the threads just the snobbery overwhelms, and other ones, especially when somebody's so, at least once every two weeks, um, I'll see. You know, somebody asking about sour beers. And it's a very basic question. Like, you know, I'm finding out now about sour beers. Where should I start? You know, things like that. And I'm always happy to jump in with that. And I I do not give any kind of snobbery with that. It's basically, this is the kind of stuff I like. You know, 
something like this might be a little strong for you at first, so try this. This would be a good entry point, or this, or this. Then you can dip into this, 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 and things like that. Oh, fight, 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 fight. Come on, Glenn Denning, beat the shit out of that fucking pussy. I don't even know who that is. Uh, don't fucking run our goaltender, you pieces of shit. I don't really have any problems with Tampa Bay, but the playoffs do that to me. Um, but it, it's all it, like, like the, it, the guy says here in the article, if you can stick through the tough times, develop a thick hide. That's why I don't involve myself in a lot of internet discussions because I do not have a thick hide like I should. So, um, yeah, um, <laughs> little Matt in the chat there. Alcohol pretentiousness, Tuesday 6 to 8. Thank you, thank you. I, I'm not... You know what? There was a period where I think I was more snobby than I should have been, a little bit more pretentious than I should have been, and I've kind of... Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I've loosened up a bit with that. You know, I will... I will, you know, I will buy Shock Top. I will buy Blue Moon. If Anheuser-Busch comes out with a product that interests me, I will purchase it, and I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand. Number two, park yourself on a bar stool, not a table. By now, you've probably done your research on the best craft beer haunts in your area. You've likely decided on a bar, tasting room, etc. that gives you full enjoyment of your newfound love. If you're rolling solo, don't relegate yourself to a lonely table or patio seat. Do yourself a favor and park your keister where all the action is at the bar. Like-minded soul individuals usually congregate at bar areas, and it's usually not too difficult to glean some beer-centric conversations out of them. Even if you're surrounded by a gaggle of socially awkward Debbie Downers, that would be me, once the studs start flowing and their tongues get loose, sloppy, passionate conversation about your favorite IPAs and barrel-aged saisons is inevitable. See, this is exactly that, that is exactly what I would need to do. Um, salt Gastro Pub out here. I would take a seat at the bar. Tap House Grill in Hackettstown um, in, here in New Jersey. I'll take a seat at the bar there, too. Um trying to think of other places. Morris Tap and Grill in Randolph, New Jersey. I'll take a seat at the bar there. Cloverleaf in Caldwell. Is that Caldwell? Yeah. I will take a seat at the bar there, too. So, um, I am totally a socially awkward douche. I mean, shit. Even even when the first time I met um, Dutch and Hammy um, at Thatcher McGee's. I'm trying to remember the town that was in. Great fucking restaurant. So fucking good. Awesome food. Great beer. Um, and, um, I, I sat down at the bar before, uh, Dutch showed up and I was totally comfortable there, you know, just, you know, looking around, people watching, you know, checking out the TVs, stuff like that. Um, I think, th honestly, I think the only reason I don't do that now is because a, I feel obligated to, you know, kind of help my wife take care of the kids. Um, and B, I don't necessarily trust myself to limit my intake enough to be able to drive home. Um, you know, if, if my wife went on vacation or something, I'd probably be a lot more apt to like go out to a bar, you know, a few nights or something. Um, and there is, there is talk of my wife and my kids like going down to uh, Florida for a vacation with her parents and I'll stay here and, you know, have to work and everything. And I'll, I'll be fine with that. You know, you know, hit, hit the bars a few nights and just kind of hang out there, you know, it'd be especially awesome if it was during, you know, playoffs, but whatever. Oh, Stamkos to the box. Oh, feel shame, sir. Feel shame. What did you do? Uh, oh, yeah, that was a hook. That was definitely a hook. Um, 
Okay, back to the article. And in the case there isn't anybody around to lend their ears, you always have the bartenders and barbacks with whom to engage in conversation. I do that sometimes when I get my growler fills. Uh, often I'll let other people do that, but uh, usually because again, I'm I'm not I'm not good at conversation. I'm not good at conversation. Uh, when I've had a few drinks in me, I'm better. But if I'm going to get a growler fill and I've had maybe one or two samples, that's that's not enough to loosen my tongue, as it were. Uh, typically, when it's a slow day for slinging suds, the employees of many a fine drinking establishment will be more than willing to talk shop. I'm not ashamed to say that a good chunk of my friends, virtual and otherwise, were gained from late nights spent being a little too friendly slash intoxicated at San Diego's acclaimed watering holes. Um, and shit, now that I think about it, there are some really great fucking craft beer bars in um, Morristown, New Jersey, like by where I work. Uh, I don't know. If, if I was still single, I'd probably be going to them all the goddamn time, mainly because I'd probably have the money to do it too. Rule number three. This is one that I'd like to do, but I, I, I don't think I have. What? Why is Zetterberg going to the box? What the fuck did he do? He fell on his own. What the fuck? Ugh, bullshit refing. Who the fuck are the officials for this game? The next thing I'm talking about is bottle shares, which, um... Uh, good old-fashioned bottle share is always a surefire way to earn some extra friend requests on Facebook or untapped. What better way to force peer-to-peer interaction than with a social event predicated upon the spirit of goodwill and generosity. See, I would be worried that somebody would be trying to screw me over. That's just me, though. Um, uh, whether it's a share of common beers or god-tier whales is relevant. A bottle share allows a large group of people with similar passions to come together and discuss what makes them giddy. And rare or not, the mere fact that you brought a piece of your own personal stash to enjoy with complete strangers makes for a great first impression. So, yeah, I'd be worried that I would bring something... Depending on who I was meeting up with, I'd, I'd be worried that, you know bring something too pedestrian or something. I don't know. I guess it depends on the group. Um, but they say, as long as you're a decent dude that respects the beer, doesn't get too sloshed, you'll make friends in these situations in no time. Which brings me to my final rule. Rule number four. Don't be a dick. And of course, Brad Watson is one of the refs for this game. Total dick right there. Uh, this is more a rule of life than anything, but it applies especially well to beer. There's no amount of great grog that'll hide your assholery and general scumbag behavior. This includes offenses such as taking full pours of others' beer, uh, letting other, letting only worthy people have a taste of your beer, and generally acting like your beer dick is bigger than everybody else's. Pretension, self-righteousness, and a holier-than-thou attitude have no place in a hobby where puking yourself and wetting your pants is a very realistic endgame. Yes, I puked myself, did not wet my pants. Be respectful of everyone else, don't act like you own the place, and first and foremost, don't take things so seriously. There are always better, bigger and better beers, there's always someone with more expertise than you, the college frat boy, my cellar is danker than your cellar mentality, is not the way to craft beer enlightenment. And if you do encounter a beer douchebag in the wild, kill them with kindness and a pint or two. See, the problem with encountering a beer douchebag in the wild and you try and get them a pint, oh, I wouldn't drink anything here. That, I don't know. Thankfully, I mostly run into that on the internet, but um, 
Let's see the comments here. What happened to just enjoying a beer? Why is a drinking douche the standard? Drink a beer, like it, suggest it to a friend. You don't have to grow a beard, get inked up, say craft a thousand effing times a day. I can tell you from a bartender's perspective, there is nothing enjoyable but waiting on a craft beer douchebag. Yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that. I'd like to go to a bar where, yeah, the guy knows his beer, but isn't, you know, a, I don't know, kind of elitist about it and everything. Um. Oh, see, somebody thought, oh, horrible piece. You perpetuate the very worst of the stereotypes out there and do it with glee. The craft beer crowd is already a smarty mean bunch of sharp-tongued know-it-alls. This blanket statement is insulting and quite incorrect. Those who are smarmy know-it-alls are the minority. Not necessarily on the internet. Those are the loudest voices out there. I see them all the fucking time. And the problem is... Because those are the loudest voices, the ones that aren't the smarmy know-it-alls, and I don't think I'm a smarmy know-it-all. I try not to be. I mean, yeah, I'm talking to a microphone, but I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about half the time. Um, those, you know, those of us that are not the smarmy know-it-alls are more reluctant to chime in on certain things for fear of getting dogpiled on by the smarmy know-it-alls. Um, okay, this guy says 99% of knowledgeable craft beer people I know actively try to help those new to the craft beer scene by helping to educate them and steer them towards selections they may enjoy. Okay, you know what? There there was a group that I, I don't even know if I'm a part of anymore on Facebook. I, I may have muted it or I may have left it, but it was, it was a craft beer group. And in fact, I don't even know if it was specifically a craft beer group or just a beer group, but people would you know, post pictures of them, you know, God forbid with a Miller light or something. They're like, oh, this isn't for that shitty beer. Get out of here with that shit. And a lot of people on that group were like that. This guy says 99% of knowledgeable craft beer people are, you know, helpful and educated. But none of, 99% is not, I don't know where this guy is getting that from. Um, uh, taking full force of other beers, letting only worthy people have a taste of your beer, generally acting like your beer dick is bigger than everyone else's. Who the hell does this? Where are you drinking? Oh, believe me. Believe me. I see. Again, again, a lot of it's on the internet where the anonymity is a big part of it. And everybody has to act like their beer dick is bigger than everyone else's. Uh, you know what? That's why, that's why on my YouTube channel, I will still do reviews for Shock Top. I will still do reviews for Blue Moon. I don't care if they're big beer owned. If it's a good beer, it's a good beer. And I'll say it's a good beer. If it's a shitty beer, I'll say it's a shitty beer. Look at the Rogue Lemon Chiffon. Um, the Lemon Chiffon Curler Ale. That was by a craft brewer, and I was not pleased with it. Thought they really missed the mark on the lemon. The Chiffon Curler, whatever, or the Curler part. Okay, I saw where they were going with that, but overall, missed the mark. Meanwhile, something from Shock Top, the Twisted Pretzel Wheat, I thought that was great, despite the fact that it was a big beer product. I don't know. This commenter seems to be kind of off. But then again, he uh, his avatar looks like it's um, looks like it's his kid uh, dressed up in a uh, Clockwork Orange getup. So. If you're dressing your kid up in clockwork orange makeup and hat and clothes and everything, presumably for Halloween, 
I think I can already tell the type of person that you are. Ugh. Um, uh, a little mad if the Islanders get to the second round of the playoffs and the Red Wings don't. It, believe me, I'm not expecting the Red Wings to get to the second round. If they do, it's a treat. Um, if they do, I don't see them get past the second round because they'll probably end up playing fucking Montreal. Um, I, I fucking want the Capitals to get to the goddamn second round this year. Hockey talk, hockey talk. Um, and of course, the picture here. Rule number five, no rape. Wait, what? I like tattooed, pierced douchebags who talk about beer. I'm I'm barely, barely pierced these days, little Matt. I have, uh, wait, how many do I have right now? I, I, I have two earrings, both in the left ear. And I've actually been considering taking them out because, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting kind of old for that. I'm going to be fucking 36 in August. Ugh. Tattoos, I mean, I'm still pretty happy with those, though. Those ain't going nowhere. Um, fuck, do I, eh, you know what, I'll hold on that list, because that, that's kind of a long list, and we're getting into, uh, we're getting into almost 8 o'clock time, so, one, well, actually, this, eh, I guess this is kind of a list, this is one I've been holding on to, I, I found it kind of interesting, because, a lot of the time, when I do have wine, I tend to drink it for my beer glasses, simply because I, well, don't have any wine glasses left anymore, and I'm lazy. Um, from Draft Mag, it's the case for drinking big beers out of wine glasses. Matt uh, Matt Rakowski, uh, sommelier and vice president of glassware company Spiegelau, which I uh, have one of their glasses, spearheaded the idea of beer-specific glassware that maxes out the aroma and flavor of beer styles. Spiegelau is behind the IPA glass, a collaboration with Sierra Nevada and Dogfish Head. The stout, oh, excuse me, the stout glass with the rogue and left hand, that's the one I have. And the new wheat beer glass made together with bells. But it gives three reasons why a wine glass, specifically stemware you use to serve Bordeaux or Cabernet, is the better choice for your high-octane barley wines and big winter warmers. So basically I'm doing the opposite of what they say. First thing he says, it has all the right curves. With higher ABV beers, snifters can really harness and unleash alcoholic aroma and mask some of the more layered, nuanced scents. Uh, scents. That's because the more curved the glass is, the more intense the aroma will be. This glass's gentler slope prevents a nose full of stinging alcohol, but has enough bend that you get an Imperial Stout's rich chocolate and roast, a barley wine's leather and fruit, or a winter warmer's seasonal spice. Number two, this is this is what always fucking worries me about that stout glass that I have. He says it can never be too thin. A thinner glass will preserve the temperature of beer longer. And he says it sounds counterintuitive, and it has seemed counterintuitive to me. Oh, for a minute there I thought we scored another goal. God damn it. Um, but because glass only begins to insulate once it has reached thermodynamic equilibrium... A thicker glass will pull in more heat and warm the beer more quickly. That's actually pretty interesting. I had no idea about that. Uh, at higher temperatures, CO2 evaporates rapidly, which leaves you stuck with a warmer, flatter beer. A thinner glass sustains the temperature it's served at for a longer period of time. Just make sure that big cellared beers and imperial stouts aren't poured ice cold. And yeah, I've, I've talked about that before, the, the differing temperatures of certain 
bigger beers, Imperial Stouts and the like. Um, definitely get a f- different flavor element off of them. And number three, it puts beer front and center. The curvature of the glass delivers beer to the front of the tongue, and from there it washes evenly across your entire palate. That is actually very smart, the, 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 that, that wide mouth there, too, with it. Jesus Christ, more fucking scuffling after the whistle? Uh, this creates a complete flavor experience starting right at the tip of your tongue. Rutkowski suggests pouring big beers the same way you'd pour a complex aromatic wine, two fingers high. Of course, it's a little trickier with beer because of its head, but as long as you aren't filling it to the top, you'll get a more complete expression of the beer's bouquet. So that is an interesting thought to doing it. I mean, typically when I'm drinking my wine, for instance, I'm drinking it in my, um, I guess the best way you can describe it is kind of like a tulip glass. I mean, I, I, right now I'm drinking out of uh, one of my Stone Berlin glasses. I have my... Uh, my Garden State Brewfest glass, you know, those kind of glass. This seems to be what I drink out of all the time, and I seem to get the best interaction out of it. Um, although the the uh, Evil Genius Chocolate Hazelnut Imperial Stout, that I actually got to try in my stout glass to see how that comes across to me, because I have a feeling that would be even better in that glass. And yes, yes, glassware does does make a difference sometimes. Sometimes I couldn't care less. Other times, it does actually enhance the experience a bit. So with that, uh, moving in on the top of the hour, I guess I should probably move into the new releases and reveals for the week. Didn't have a whole lot of them, but there's enough. This first one here, I am actually rather excited about it because I have not seen a beer of this particular variety in the area yet. Um... It is Terrapins Liquid Lunch Peanut Butter and Jelly Porter. Side project number 25, a peanut butter and jelly porter. I'm thinking this could be that logical projection from the chocolate peanut butter porters that all popped up last year. Um, oh, fuck, who is it? Uh, uh, this starts with the C. At the, uh, Catawba. Catawba Brewing out of uh, North Carolina. Let me look. North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, They do a brown ale called Peanut Butter Jelly Time. So that's one I've wanted to try. The fact that Terrapin is doing one uh, makes me happy. Although, damn it, I worry that Terrapin's not going to have the flavor balance right on it because, like, for instance, uh, Liquid Bliss, I'm not as big a fan of that compared to, you know, Sweet Baby Jesus and um, Purple Monkey Dishwasher. So, but I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to give it a try. Um, brew with peanut butter, cocoa nibs, raspberries, 22-ounce bottles and on draft, 7.7% ABV. The release has not officially been announced, as I kind of mentioned with the, the New Belgium, Ben & Jerry's one. Um, I don't know. The brewers seem to kind of be letting the media do their thing with that. Uh, we got a new collaboration from Stone. Stone Points Unknown IPA. Um Little Matt says peanut butter and jelly was a creation by the devil. Don't know how you yanks can drink that. Oh, dude. I'd be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time. I envy the fact that my kid can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch and dinner. But oh, if, if I did that, I'd be getting fat, 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 fat all over again. Uh, 
Uh, Stone points unknown IPA. It's a collaboration with with uh, Ecliptic and Wicked Weed. It's a double IPA blended with a barrel aged Belgian style triple. Stone has actually teased this one, but again, not officially announced it. It's going to be a 22 ounce bottles and on draft, nine percent ABV. Uh, Jesus Christ, it's still fucking hot in here with the window open even. Uh, this is another. Well, this isn't actually a collaboration, but this is another one from Stone. Uh, this was the winner of Stone's in-house brewing competition, and it's released as a part of their limited spotlight series. This is Stone Imperial Mutt Brown Ale. It was crafted by Drew Neldon and Steve Villa, who are obviously the winners of the in-house brewing competition. 9% ABV, 22-ounce bottles. I don't think I really got much other info about it, except that it's an imperial brown ale. Um, that's a style you don't really see imperialized all that much, honestly. Um, and then a couple more here. We got one from, oh, talking about them today, New Belgium. New Belgium Skinny Dip. Damn it. Wish I got New Belgium out here. I know, I know. You can always run to burn off those calories like running for four fucking hours. No, 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 no. Wait, actually, wait. No, on, on Saturday, I ran that 13 miles in two hours. Wasn't four hours. I know. Uh, there's also... Oh, God damn it. There's, there's a fucking... There's a peanut butter and jelly snack uh, from Welch's. They're... I don't think they're gummies inside. I think it's I think it's actually kind of like a grape jelly inside, and it's inside a peanut butter shell. They're like little round um, round bites. Think about like um, when when Butterfinger had Butterfinger BBs. Uh, think about like Whoppers, those malted milk balls, things like that. But the outside coating is peanut butter. The inside is like grape jelly something approximate to that. And they're peanut butter and jelly bites. And I've always wanted to try them. But I look at the calories of the entire bag. It's a snack size bag. But still, the calories of the entire bag, it's like six, 700 calories. It's like a fucking meal for me right there. I fucking hate that. That's why I will run in the morning, walk on my lunch break, and not have to worry as much about the calories. <sighs> It was it was fucking crazy. I I, I I was I was able to eat a fucking burger, fries. Um, I think I only had one beer on Saturday, but I, I I got myself some goddamn ice cream. I mean, and I still had a shitload of calories to spare. But I'm never running 13 miles in one day ever again, unless I'm running a half marathon, and I'm not doing that any fucking time soon. Oof. So uh, back to back to back to the the beers here. Uh, New Belgium Skinny Dip. It is a light and flavor-packed summer lager. It's featuring four hops and clocking in at a sessionable 4.2% ABV. It will be arriving with the rest of the summer beers, I would assume, in six packs of 12-ounce bottles. And then the last one, um, this is a return. Flying Dog Dead Rise Old Bay Summer Ale has returned. Uh, if you have not had a chance to try this and it comes out in your area... Give it a go. Even if you can uh, pick up a bottle in a build a six-pack, it's worth the try at least once. I bought a six-pack, and while I cannot recall having food with Old Bay on it, um, I haven't had like the crab potato chips with Old Bay on them and stuff like that, I, 
I actually very much enjoyed the beer, and it made me more curious to explore the possibilities of Old Bay on seafood. Haven't done it yet, but the beer was definitely a success for what it was trying to do. Um, well, I guess, shit. I guess that's pretty much it there. Um, I'm trying to think. If, I don't think there were any other uh, new beers that came out. Let me, let me, you know what, let me double check here. Because uh, I sometimes, I sometimes miss, miss new beers coming out. Uh, AmericanCraftBeer.com is always a fantastic resource for, uh, for new releases. Let's see. Oh, okay. You know what? Um, oh, cool. Okay. We have, I'll fill up the remainder of the time with these. I know, uh, well, okay, Weyerbacher Tart Nouveau is, um, hitting shelves now. Uh, that one I'm keeping an eye out for. I know it's hit a couple stores out here, but, uh, not anything extremely, extremely local for me yet, so I'm keeping an eye out for that. But basically, it's a, uh, Session Sour, 3.9% ABV. It's basically a, a Berliner Weisse, but, uh, when I find that, I'm gonna pick that up. Weyerbacher can do no wrong for me. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Schmaltz Brewing has a uh, Wishbone Session Double IPA. It's an 8, 8% ABV Session IPA in name only. What the fuck? Uh, Breckenridge debuting a brand new year-round release this week. Breck IPA, 6.4% uh, ABV. Colorado-style IPA. Jeez. A little, little slow in getting an IPA going there, Breckenridge, huh? Uh, and I think that's... Uh, you know, I, I think that's pretty much it. So uh, I will leave you with that. Uh, keep an eye out for Tarte Nouveau. Keep an eye out for Skinny Dip. Keep an eye out for the new uh, Stone releases as they uh, as they hit the shelves at some point in the probably not quite so near future. So uh, if you want to pop into the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. I will occasionally post stuff on there. But of course, the listeners and fans will always also post stuff in there which is fantastic uh you know stuff that's just interesting stuff that i can talk about on the show later it's, it's all good stuff there uh twitter you can hit me up at adicius e-d-i-c-i-u-s or at abv underscore podcast on untapped i'm adding new people every week alcohol by volume all one word if you want to add me do it uh, coming up next, I believe it is another replay of my time now with J5 because he is still in the process of moving and has not been able to set up all his shit yet. But I think he will be back next week. And then, of course, that is followed by Dutch and Royce. I will see you guys next week. <laughs>